0: I am Stephanie Hansen. You are Stephanie March. <laughs> hey. We are here for the Weekly Dish. We had to meet this morning and have a little breakfast. We have a producer that's new, never seen me before, and I run into the studio <laughs> oh, literally Lexi. one minute before we go on the air. Hello, friends. Hello. so nice to meet you, by the it's way. It's nice to meet you, Lexi, and welcome to the Weekly Dish program. We're excited to have you. We uh, we had a little breakfast this morning at Keys Cafe. Yes, just to catch up on the world news, <laughs> share
1: <laughs> basically to Cold temper hands to temper. <laughs> Maybe things that might fly out of people's mouths. In the yeah, mornings. was that? Were you trying to manage me, smart? I was maybe doing a little math. <clears throat> maybe just so. But, you know, did, there's uh, a lot of feelings right now. There
0: are a lot of feelings, and I ate a lot of feelings last night, and then we ate breakfast again today. So I think I've consumed about two pounds of food. Right. In a short period of time, full of feelings. Well, but that's... you know, all the food soaked up all the wine. So that worked out in my favor. Is that how that does? Yep. Okay. I felt real good about it. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, it's a tough one. It's a tough one out there in the world today for women. And and we know that you guys don't come here to hear political discourse necessarily, but we are women and we live our lives and we live our truths. And so, you know, we have feelings about today and there's plenty of people who are very sad and scared and and worried. And I just throwing out a big chunk of love toward everybody who's got, you know, those feelings today.
0: Yeah. And if your feelings are in the happy elation camp, I guess I would just encourage you to take your happy elation and start to think about what's next for you in terms of helping women to move forward, whether that's helping with healthcare access or childcare or things that um, you can be involved in changing for the good for women that maybe are going to be having a struggle in light of the recent news. So wherever you sit on it, hopefully you're, uh, Mobilizing and eating good food. Uh,
1: yes. okay organizing is lovely.
0: <laughs> yes. Or gardening. Cause putting your hands in the garden feels good, right? It is strawberry season. Is it strawberry season? It is strawberry you, have season. Have you planted strawberries? Um, I have wild strawberries, which if you have wild strawberries, they're the most delicious things in the world, but they are about a centimeter. Tall, yeah, and you know half a centimeter wide, it is literally like putting a little pearl of strawberry taste in your mouth, yeah, that's incredible, but you don't get like big strawberries
1: you're not yeah, it's not like you're planting you're not the strawberries we get in the in the farm from the farm you know in the grocery store, not the things that are going to come out of the ground no. for you <laughs> I did. I
0: was at the farmers' market this week, and there is a lot of fresh strawberries, and Afton is having their strawberry festival this weekend.
1: So I, didn't realize, it's I missed season. that whole strawberry festival vibe, which is so funny. I just missed it.
0: Um, I made a strawberry cake, and I made it around Memorial Day with some organic berries that were had come from California. So, you know, they weren't like the wholesome in the ground picked berries, but for whatever reason, they were pretty good. Yeah. And I made this cake, and just that smell of bringing the strawberry cake up to your face is really. Magnificent, And we're going to talk to Remy Pettis from the Dakota in our first segment here, because they've got some new spring items. And they had a cake. He has a,
1: he has a strawberry cake that is just delicious. Oh, God, yeah. I keep
0: thinking about that cake. I
1: know, it was really good. That kind of started off my
0: two pounds of eating. Really? Um, yeah, because yeah, I couldn't stop eating that cake. You know, sometimes you go to these tastings and they put like 12 to 15 dishes in front of you. And then... I, as someone who was from the Clean Plate Club, mm-hmm. <laughs> feel like I must eat the whole thing if it's good. Oh, God, yeah, no.
1: Yeah, I can't do that at You're all. You're
0: a way better eater
1: than I am Well, because I regard. go from one of those things to another thing. Like, and you can't, you know what I mean? You can't do like this massive, and I do want to taste everything, but you can't go from that to like another thing later that night. And then that's my problem is that I have just too much on my Too much, too many things to slot in. You're a professional eater. I am a professional. I know,
0: and you're a professional drinker too. Because I looked over, there were like four drinks. Yeah, and I looked over, and you had had like the proper sip of all of them. Well, yeah, and I had had like two full.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, I don't. Yeah, and that's why it's like you know. I think that's a lot of reason why I've. I don't know. I'm not. Um. I. I definitely know when I can. I'm very tuned to like when I've had like when something's pushing me a little over. Because also, usually after these things, I have to go back to work. Like, I have to go write some things or right. I have to. So it's like, yes, someone was like, oh no, I can't have wine at lunch because I, I have to work. And I'm like, well, you can. You just have to know when to stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it is, it is okay to do both, actually. So, well, but yeah, but, it is interesting. You have to, you have to know. And you definitely can't ever finish. Although I will say that, like, there's times where you're like, well, this dish is so nuts, so good that, like, you go in for threes and fours. And, yeah. You know. Which was that we had Remy Pettis's, um, it
0: was the ramp pesto.
1: Yeah, but let's wait, because he's okay. coming on. He's coming <clears throat> on the show. Hey, by the way, you guys, happy pride to everybody. for yes. It's still legal to be married to a gay person for <laughs> at least so. a little while. Longer, hopefully. So happy pride to everybody who's out there and celebrating and waving the rainbow flag.
0: There are uh, a lot of fun events this weekend. And my talk will be uh, in the parade tomorrow on Sunday. All of the talent will be there. Lori and Julia will not be there because they're finishing up their Gracie Award tour in New York. But right. um, if you are interested in the weekday talent, right, they will all be out there for you, minus Lori and Julia.
1: On, on the parade on Sunday. Correct. Okay. And Correct. So today, obviously, there's still the big festival at Lauren Park. It is looking a little soggy. You know, maybe a little burst of showers here or there. But I feel like that's nice and cool for a change. Yeah. Instead of the blasted heat and the brittle wind. You know, that's kind of a nice change. The Pride Beer Dabbler was enforced last night.
0: Yes, um, did you go? No, but I was at the walker and my niece Sadie went and I literally saw her walking into the gates
1: as I was leaving. Funny. And high five, Sadie! That's good. Yeah, it looks really fun. Yeah, they had uh, they had a whole bunch of fun stuff going on in the Sculpture Garden um, with the Pride Beer Dabbler. They also have the Summer Dabbler is on. Tickets are on sale if you missed last night's You know, the tickets are on sale for the Summer Dabbler, which is still happening. So in August, I think August 26th.
0: And super fun. Um, I want (laughs) to, I don't know if I owe you an apology, but you know, I'm going to, yeah, I do. Maybe, I don't know. Last weekend when I was on the air (laughs) moments, there was literally like a police situation that had happened that I was trying to resolve and then the phone and I was calling and then I'm at Stone Arch and I was so distracted while i was talking to you and trying not to sound distracted which was a solid fail
1: it really was. The best part was, if you guys want to go back and listen, it's kind of funny, because normally, you know, this is like Hanson saying, hey, I want to call in from the Stone Arch so that I can tell you guys what's cool. I want to talk about the culinary yeah, people. boy, she just sort of sat there and waited for us to, I'm like, <laughs> I, you said you were going to tell us, I don't know what to ask. Like, I was literally on the yeah. other side of that interview going, so tell us so- about what's
0: good. I know. So I do owe you an apology then. Okay. But I if apologize you guys didn't formally. Notice, great. Great. And it was super great. It was a great event. Yeah. Um, I had a something from a food truck that I'd never had before. The Thai street, Thai Thai street food is the name of the truck. It's blue and it has like gold filigree around it. I had the most amazing chicken bowl that I cannot stop thinking about. Oh. It was like rice and then perfectly grilled chicken. But then it had these like weird eggs and they were full size eggs, but they were almost like dehydrated, kind of. Hmm. And they had like a dry texture to them, but they were a hard cooked egg. Hmm. And then they had like this herby slaw thing that was in the bowl. And then this like, um, Nam Chuck kind of spicy vinaigrette. Yeah. Oh, so good. Like, I all perfect together. Yeah. And I'm thinking about when I can get past the two pounds of food I've just eaten in the last eight hours. Yeah. Um, Finding where that truck is. It's called Tai Tai Express. It's called Tai Tai Street Food. Oh, okay. And it was just incredible. So good. And that was at Stone Arch. Also, just a lot of great vendors were there. Lost Capital Foods has just an incredible stone ground beer mustard that I'm just crazy about. That was there. Um
1: Tai was at Ven Brewing yesterday.
0: Oh, just it was so you know. if you I mean, I probably should find out and send you guys there because it was just fantastic.
1: Yeah.
0: Um good. So for everybody that came out, it was a great day. Lots of art, lots of fun people. Uh people were also very crazy about this donut truck. I want to say it was called Annie's or I'll find out the name of it. Okay. It was doing um these mini donuts, and there was a huge line for that.
1: Donut trucks, huh?
0: Yes. Donut trucks. Latungi's Palette was there, too. Her coffee shop has opened over on Park. She's got a beautiful peach cobbler. Oh, good. And it's served in like a little plastic container. So you can take it to go if you're interested in that. Sounds good. I know yes, it was, fun. but it was a, su- a successful run. Very good, very. Okay. And I appreciate you holding down the fort with Elizabeth <laughs> and my poor interviewing fun. skills. It
1: was fun. It was
0: fun. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the weekly Dish presented by our friends at Hornitos, who have the delicious tequila seltzers that you should pick up. We will be right back.
1: Hey everybody! Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, We are so we were just we had mentioned earlier in the in the beginning of the show that we had uh, a little snacky lunch. I don't know what we did, but we got a preview of what's going on at the Dakota. And we are being joined right now by Chef Remy Pettis. Remy, are you there?
2: Hello. Yes, I'm here.
1: Oh, welcome to the show, Remy. Thanks for calling.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So you took over the Dakota. Obviously, the Dakota Jazz Club has been around in the Twin Cities for something. I think it's like 20 plus years, maybe 30 years.
0: Yeah. It's it's a long time. 35 years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, it's sort of like um, an institution like that. You know, Ken, I think Ken Goff was one of the original chefs that helped bring it into like a very foodie place. We know our friend Jack Rebo was in charge at one point um and then you know all the things and you are now helming the very storied kitchens of this jazz club and tell us a little bit about what that's like for you
2: well it's it's great you know it's such an honor to be a part of it and like you said it's been 35 years and i'm actually the fourth chef uh, in 35 years so um, there's a lot to live up to and um, there's a lot of history there's a lot of music that has come through there and that was one of the big things that attracted to me at Uh, meet you in the first place so it's just it's just a lot of fun and uh, i'm enjoying every day of it
1: so now if you guys don't know the jazz club is uh right on nicollet mall right downtown minneapolis and the thing of it is like it's a full restaurant but it's a restaurant that you have to buy tickets usually to get in front of you know to be able to eat there you buy tickets to a show and then you have the but you can sit at the bar at at an early time and still order food is that right
2: Yep, that's t- definitely correct, and uh, and we are exploring uh, ways to get people in without um, buying a ticket. For example, on Monday we're doing a sort of a Paris, uh, Paris soda dinner where we're doing three courses, and you buy a forty five dollar ticket to just the dinner, and you get the show for free. So we're we're tweaking things. We're trying to get it so people can come in for the food and not have to uh, pay for the show, and we're experimenting with different ways. And this Monday will be the first uh, exposure into that.
0: Cool. That makes me happy for you, Remy, because I love the Dakota. And I've been to a couple of shows since you've been there with the as the chef. But I also just am a fantastic fan of your food. And so if we can get that to people that maybe are music lovers, it's awesome. But people that maybe haven't, because there's still a lot of people that have never been to the Dakota. And your food is a reason to just go and check it out because it's a beautiful room.
2: Well, thank you so much for that. That means a lot, but you're exactly right. And we hear that all the time. People just want to come and eat and want to, you know, whether or not they were fans of Bardo, my previous restaurant, or, um, or, or just want to have a great, um, meal in such a intimate setting. Um, so we're exploring ways to do that.
1: So tell us a little bit and about more to
2: come, more to come,
1: more to come. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your menu and like, how are you approaching? Cause what, I mean, when we, you know, the Dakota reopened and you took over basically. Um, and like, so you get to kind of look at the menu and decide what stays, what goes and how, what it should say about you as a chef. Tell us a little bit about your perspective on
2: that. Well, the, the menu is Southern influenced. And, um, a lot of the dishes are sort of heavily, uh, geared toward Southern food. Um, but it's also really, it's also my food. It's also stuff that you're going to recognize that I've done before in the past and my style of cooking, keeping it sort of light and fresh and seasonal. Um, and my, my whole family, both sides of my family are from the South. So a lot of it is a natural for me and it's stuff that I've, uh, grew up with during the holidays. And when I was visiting the Carolinas as a kid and, um, things, my aunt and my grandma used to cook. So, it's it's a little bit of a mix of that, but it's a very natural approach for me. And if you um, have been familiar with my food at all in the past, it's going to feel familiar in that respect. But it def- definitely does have a southern twist. and you know. But we still use seasonal ingredients, and we still use um, uh, what's local, which obviously we're not in the south. So something that grows locally here might not be in the south necessarily. But I try to use seasonings and techniques to bridge that gap.
0: You're known for making fabulous and beautiful pastas. And when we were there the other day, we had a rabbit tortellini. We had a ramp um, pesto situation, a ramp pasta situation that, I mean, we ate that whole dish between the two of us. We couldn't stop eating it. What is that one? Because it was so fresh and just so like farmer's market ready.
2: Yeah, that's a ramp uh, pesto tagliatelle. got a ramp pesto made from ramps and spinach, and uh, pistachio is actually the nut component in that dish instead of pine nuts. And it's just I wanted something that is um, looks green, is just bright, like spring green. It's kind of what I was going for yeah. both you know, the color and the feel of it when you I wanted to feel fresh and bright. And um, and then we used a, a grana padano for the cheese. And um, and that's that's I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the dish that I eat at the end of the night. You know that's my that's definitely my favorite dish on the menu right now.
0: Mission accomplished yeah. on that one.
1: But I think there's something too. I what I love about it is that you're it doesn't feel like what I loved about this this food is that it doesn't feel like you are at like a theme restaurant, right? Like sometimes you go in and people are like, oh, this is southern, southern food, and you're like, I'm not I'm not at a Cracker Barrel, thank you. I don't want to go. <laughs> right. And so I think there's some really interesting touches of the things that you've done um like their your crawfish gumbo that comes that you use lake vermilion crawfish and you use wild rice in it and it's 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 just it's a great gumbo it
0: was awesome but
1: it also sort of feels familiar and i didn't gr- you know like we don't grow up with gumbo around here really and so right. there's this sort of essence of like the wild rice really struck that like familiar grassy note that paired so well with everything in that dish
2: and you and you hit it. It's got you know, good food has to feel natural. It can't feel feel forced or contrived yeah. and so um that's why that's why the Dakota and the direction that um our ownership wanted to go with the southern with the southern themed menu uh, was such a natural fit for me because I always looked at myself as a as a um raised in the north by southern parents and that's kind of how I always identified. So um so coming up with this stuff and trying to um adapt southern food to um our minnesota climate and our and what's available here was was natural for me
1: and then you know and for instance just like the other one that kind of kind of you know set me into a place was the burrata with the pickled peach we don't see pickled peaches up here but like you know we could (laughs) and you know just (laughs) kind of perspectives i think which are interesting when you think about things that you are taking from a heritage standpoint and then applying it to where you are. And that's how you get into like, that's how the evolution of food in a town and a, and a landscape kind of moves forward. So that's really fun.
2: Well, yeah, well, thank you. And, and and you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it. You know, I've always loved this city and, you know, we kind of look at, look at our, our role in the city and sort of trying to help help uh, evolve it and move it forward at the same time as, you know, bringing it back to, you know, where it was several years ago. So. Thanks, um, Remy. I mean, we I mean, run out of time.
1: But thanks, Remy. We'll talk soon again. Hello,
0: and welcome back to the program. I swear I'm a little rusty today. <laughs> you you, you have been off for a couple weeks. I have. I've uh, been. I'm a little rusty. But I tell you what is not rusty is my uh, recipe game. Okay. So do you remember a few months back We did an interview, it was a second helping of our podcast, that we did with some folks that had a very sweet wine, and the name of it was Celebration Wines. Mm -hmm. When we did that interview, they gave us six bottles of different wines to try. Yeah. And they were fine for people that liked extremely sweet, almost like hard seltzery flavored wines. Sure. But it wasn't really my jam to just crack that open on a Saturday afternoon. And so they sat there. So I had to think of a way to get these wines used because, you know, I'm like a depression era child. I can't just throw them away. So I started to make sangrias. Okay. <clears throat> and I'll be honest like, normally, sangria is not my jam. Like, I really like wine, so I'm just going to have a rosé or I'm going to have a little bubble or I'm going to have a Gamay or a Pinot Grigio or whatever the situation is. I'm just going to have wine. I'm not likely to, like, load it up with fruit and brandy and orange liqueurs or whatever. But because I had these, I did. And I was like, I had some people over and I made a white sangria, I made a red sangria and I made a rosé sangria and I put some recipes together for them because it was pretty lovely. Yeah. Something about um just and maybe it's the visual of the whole thing, because I bought a special craft <laughs> so you could like see everything inside oh, wait, it.
1: You bought something, you bought some tableware. I went to the Goodwill oh, and I got a wait, clear what? plastic
0: um pitcher mm-hmm. that was like two ninety
1: nine. Mm-hmm. And then I filled it up with all of the things and it was super fun. Yeah. You, I, you like sangria? Oh my God. My mom has been making. My, I learned how to make sangria from my mom. She always made it when, like, we'd have people over and, like, you know, in the patio, in the backyard, and all this kind of stuff. So I've been making sangria, like, pretty much from the start. I don't even, like, think about it anymore. But you, I, like, the funny thing is, like, you said you used, you got your sweet wine, and so you thought to make sangria. I would never use a super sweet wine for sangria. Of course not. Because you're adding the things into it.
0: And you're 100% right. And I didn't, in my recipes, use a sweet wine. I didn't put that in the recipe. Because it would be like
1: overload. Yes.
0: And the ones I actually made, I didn't put any extra sweetener in because they obviously had so much. I didn't use any simple syrup. I didn't use any orange liqueur. But the recipes that I put together, I did use that because they didn't have that sweetness. I guess the long and short of it is, if you're entertaining on your patio, like, a sangria feels real oh, festive.
1: Every party that, I, like, when I was in my first homes and I, well, even, like, when we were apartment partying in our backyard, I have this, I have two really giant jars, like, really big, massive jars that um, I've made that, that those were the sangria jars. And so, like, actually, for all of my kids' graduation parties, we had sangria because, Sitting out like you can have a big ladle sticking out of it and it's self-serve and people can do what they want to do with it. And you can all the feelings and you can refit like you can refinish, you know, replenish it if you need yeah. to on the fly. And it's not going to be that much different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just kind of you can dump another jug of Chablis in there. And I then, think
0: for Fourth of July, too, if yeah. you're having people over sangria is a great way to it's go. Perfect.
1: It's wonderful. And it is. And then you get boozy fruit at the end, usually. But And I used to make... So then I would make... My mom always made these big red wine pitchers. And then I usually brought it into the Chablis. You know, I'd buy the big gallons. Like, the cheap wine is good for this. Like, it doesn't have to be... I don't like to be sweet, but like a Chablis. Mm -hmm. Like a good Ernest and Julio Gallo Chablis in the big old, like, jugs. I used to buy that, like, three or four of those. And then keep them around, you know? And then um, the other thing that I used to do was just... uh, We used to do a sake sangria with cucumbers, and so Ooh, you bring like, good. yeah, and so you would just take a nice little really super light wine, white wine, and then you add like a bottle of sake, and then we would just put a bunch of cucumbers and... Um, And like star fruit in there and grapes. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. So that was a lovely, because that's just a different way of, to me, it was like, you can have a wine and you add fruit. You want to add something to kind of give a ferment, you know, fermented quality. So it's either, you know, something like a brandy. Usually you add a brandy and like a, a little bit of sugar if you want to, you don't have to, but sometimes I would add a little maple syrup in there if like the reds were needing a little boost, but mostly it's just fruit and then booze and then wine. I love it. Yeah.
0: Do you have like a signature cocktail that you serve like in the summer for entertaining?
1: No, I don't anymore. Not even your bootlegger? Well, I mean, yeah, but I guess that's, I don't do it all the time. I guess I don't do almost, there's almost nothing I do all the time anymore. I don't, you know what I mean? You are an
0: experimenter. Yeah,
1: I would rather do something new and fun. Although I do want to try, I do want to like know that it's good. I have, you know, one friend who she tends to throw... Dinner parties and, you know, like she's like, well, I've never done this before. And we're like, oh. She's like, well, you guys are here so I can experiment. And you're like, really? Is this our friend Smyer? No, God, okay. no, 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 no. This is, uh, this is a friend who I know is very new to cooking. And she's she's sort of like picked it up in the pandemic. And she's done oh, it a I couple of times. Yeah, I'm not going to name her because she might be listening. Okay, I hope she is listening. Yes. And I hope everyone's listening. It's all a good time. It's just that when you know you're the guinea pig, this is for me. It's like, I want to know that what I'm giving you is something, you know, at least that I know is not going to yes. be that way.
0: Okay, so we've now we've talked about sangria and I also want to remind you guys there were some um things that showed up at Stone Arch that I just wanna make sure Summer Lakes Beverage, which you guys probably know. You find it in your favorite liquor store and it's inside a cooler and they have a jalapeno margarita. It's like a slushy kind of in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And then you thaw it out and you make add your own tequila. And you can add a little bit of um, Lacroix if you want to, or you can just have it as a mocktail too. Yeah. So they have a jalapeno margarita, a Paloma, a regular margarita, and it's just I something about it all being pre-made, all mixed up. It's a very easy product to use, and it tastes just amazing. I love that product. Um, I had the opportunity to do some canned cocktail tasting, yep. and I just wanted to check in with you on that. There is a new. Um, it's not new. There is a canned wine, and it is a white wine, and I'm crazy about it. And our friend at Cedar Lake Liquors has it, Okay, and Haskell's has it, too. It's kind of harder to find. It is a family from Minnesota. It's the Familia Muschini, uh family, and they have a family that owns a vineyard in Argentina.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's Tarantis is the name of the grape, and they have it, It's a white, it's called Vamos Vino. It's a white wine that's bubbly so it's a little effervescent it is just heavenly really and i'd forgotten about it and then they had it at stone arch so i had it again and then i was in cedar lake and he had just received a shipment of it and i was like oh i love this canned wine yeah it is just really refreshing what's it called vamos vino and it is in um a can i'll put a a link up so you guys can find it but the, oh, the grape yeah. is Tarante's and it's if I'm I have a sip scale, one being terrible, five being run out and get it, it's a five on the sip scale. Mm. Very just refreshing, really light, perfect for summer entertaining. Perfect, like Kurt doesn't drink wine. So like if I drink a bottle of wine at home, then it like sits on the counter for a couple days, or I drink it all. A can is like perfect because it's like it's portion control. And I don't have to leave it sitting around in the in the heat. Yeah, though no, that's a great idea. So that's one. And then uh you you these have been around for a while, but I'd never actually like tried them in a tasting environment. The Bolo Bauhaus. Oh yeah, hard the seltzers. seltzers. They're the
1: best in the city. The I think they really are. They really
0: are. They're not um necessarily like I don't love hard seltzers, period. So it's kinda like asking me to rank something I don't love. Mm-hmm. But all the ones that I tasted, like they have a, a cherry that, I mean, it delivered on like total cherry flavor, very effervescent, light, fresh. Yeah. I was like, okay, over ice, this would be pretty good. It's not really like my favorite thing that I would order. But like, if you like hard seltzers, you should be drinking these.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how I come around it. I don't, there's, you know, I kind of don't. I keep trying other seltzers and I keep thinking, oh, this this might be good because I think Bolo set me on a on a path because they're good because they're good. And the, everything else is not great.
0: <laughs> yeah. I gave the cherry a four sip scale. Dragon fruit was also popular in our tasting, which I don't have no idea what a dragon fruit would normally taste like. Yeah. But it was a very refreshing sip. Oh, good. Um, Have you tried the Minneapolis Cider Company light and dry ciders?
1: Um, you mean like in a is it a
0: bottle or a can or they're new cans. It nope. comes in a four pack. I really like cider, so yeah. let's just start there. That's always, you know, we're already at a two just because I like it. These are a hundred calorie cans of cider. Yeah. And they are dry and light as they're marketed. They come in prickly pear, lemon zest, matcha tea, or blackberry ginger. Oh. All of these that we tried. They have one gram of sugar, 4% alcohol, so they're more like lawnmower ciders, if we're going to use the lawnmower beer analogy.
1: Yeah, sessionable, if you will.
0: And great over ice. These were like the whole variety. We just, we really liked them. There's a matcha flavor that I gave it to a friend, and I didn't tell her it was matcha. And she was like, this might be my favorite one. Really? And I was like, if I told you it was matcha, what?" she was like, matcha? What's even matcha? I've never had matcha before. You know, matcha is kind of that, like, grassy. It's tea. Yeah, and a little grassy flavor. Oh, she really she really liked it. They've also got a prickly pear. They've got a um, blackberry ginger. Huh. And they're all very delicious. So if you're someone that wants to pace yourself and but hang they're out. They're called light and dry. Light and dry at the hmm. Minneapolis Cider Company. And you can find these at all your liquor stores. They have a pretty um, hefty range of people that um, purchase them. Okay, which brings us to, I want to start out this segment by telling you how much I love Dash Fire Cocktails. Okay. I love their bitters. They have cocktails that they've done in a glass bottle that I've been fans of. They have the small little cans. They have an elderflower martini that's in a purple can that you can buy at your liquor store counter. They're usually on the counter. Yeah. It's fantastic. They are doing more of a slimline can for a new line of ready-to-drink cocktails. And... There are four of them and one. Okay. So the Bramble is a, a blackberry-ish one that I liked. But it was three and a half sips. Yep. There's one that I really liked, but I have a major problem with it. Okay. What is it? It's called the Margarita. Okay. okay. So you <laughs> What's have this sense in your mind of like, oh, yeah. this is going to be a Margarita. Right. It is a great canned cocktail. But it is not even close to a margarita. Okay. So if it was called, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like that tiger um, bottle that they worked on with Meteor that had the yuzu juice in it. Sure. It tastes like that in a can. What is it? What but is it's it? called margarita. And there's nothing limey about it. There's nothing.
1: Tequila? Are you getting tequila out of
0: no. it? No. No. So it's like I loved the taste of this and I can totally see buying this canned cocktail. But if it's if you're expecting a margarita ah. you're disappointed.
1: Well, okay, so it looks like it has blue agave tequila, so it's and then it's got passion fruit juice. It's got bourbon orange uh liqueur, so it's got like the Grand Marnier is like that. Um hibiscus bitters. So it's a little bit more berry than an it's not lime, it's it's like a it's like almost like a like a berry margarita. No. Okay. I well, wa- those are what I'm saying, like, that's the construction. That's what I, it, I, I have, have one at home. I'm going to bring it for you next time. No, week. no, I have my own. I haven't cracked them yet. It's delicious. Yeah. And this is why
0: it's like if it was named anything else, it would have. But like, I gave it four and a half, five stars. I really liked it. Oh, it's just if you get this and you're thinking you're going to get a margarita. It is so not a margarita. Okay. So that was one of my problems with that one.
1: Okay. They had another one. What would you one- call it?
0: Uh, like yuzu juice or something like it was just very much like that tiger. What is the name of that cocktail that they have at meteor bar? It's the tiger.
1: Sure. But that, that that's not. So, I mean, like when you say salty dog, you, when you say like a mule, that's, those are types of drinks. And so I think that's what this is also trying to be. So what you're saying, it doesn't even fit in the margarita genre. No. So what would it fit into more likely? Um, some sort of vodka
0: citrus situation. Okay. You can't even really taste the tequila. Oh. And okay. again, I liked
1: them. Yeah.
0: Which was delicious. so weird. It was very delicious. It just was named wrong.
1: Okay. I still have to yeah, they're sitting in the, my the back of my fridge because I got them and then I stuck them back there and I haven't gone back to them yet. We did the
0: Tattersall distilling company, which I found uh you had done a write up, which was great. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that the key lime gin and tonic was a five sips. I loved it. You loved it um the watermelon bootlegger was a four sipper and then blueberry
1: collins which you liked a little more than i did yeah i liked that one better than i think what you did um so but i did like the whiskey one the whiskey peach and i one. didn't try that peach tea yeah. i heard that was really good too yeah. so
0: anyway canned cocktails give them a try uh it's super fun to have minnesota makers in this space we'll be right back All right, we're at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, 651-641-1071 if you want to call in and ask us a question, if you want to share a canned cocktail that you had that you liked, if you want to talk about uh, where you're heading for Pride or what your plans are, or you want to ask about the biscuits at Lush, you know, any of those questions we will answer for you. Uh, I did get a question that came in. I'll throw out the number one more time and then we'll get to it. 651-641-1071. Our producer, Lexi, is there. She's waiting for your call. She's got real cute bangs. (laughs) I love baby bangs and Lexi's got cute little baby bangs. Uh, Okay, this question came in from our listener, Beth, and she said, My 22-year-old goddaughter and her mom are coming for a weekend visit in a couple of weeks. And the goddaughter has celiac disease, so no gluten. Their home base is going to be Champlain, but they're hoping to visit Paisley Park, the Swedish Institute, the Walker Sculpture Garden and Lush Bingo. All great tourist attractions, I might add. (laughs) She said, where can we eat or grab takeout that will be safe and tasty for her as a gluten-free celiac uh, disease sufferer?
1: Oh, my God. I just, that's fun. That like Walker Sculpture Garden and Lush Bingo yeah. are on the same thing. I love that. Okay. So with Paisley Park. I know with Paisley Park. So, I mean, there's, if you're looking for really like, uh, no gluten at all, there's a couple places that you should know that are gluten free bakeries that might have sandwiches and things like that. You know, there's hold the wheat in St. Louis Park. There's sift in Minneapolis. Um, but the more importantly, if you want to go for dinner, I would try to get into uh, Colita because everything in, at Colita is gluten free. And how about two? Which could, is Colita, by the way, is Danny Del Prado's restaurant in South Minneapolis. Could um,
0: I'm trying to think of so like places that have the menu really well labeled too? Yeah, like Mill City or Mill Valley Kitchen also is really good about really inclusive labeling on their menu. So you know exactly what ingredients are in your food. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to get a pickup for like a picnic for the sculpture garden, I would say Certix does a really great job of labeling all of their gluten free items in their deli.
1: Um, And also I would say that Cardamom, which is attached to the Walker art center is a great place for lunch. And they have very, they have a lot, a lot of just basic um you know it's Danny Del Prado who is also the gluten-free um you know person he that's colita is his too but so this one you know there's i, I can't say it but there's a there's plenty of things that are you know um for instance like you know having like fried eggplant with garlic dip and falafel Yum. you know things like that roasted carrots like that's an entire dish you know so that's there's a lot of veggie centric stuff that is not has nothing to do with bread Six, five, one, six,
0: four, one, one, oh, seven, one. If you wanted to ask us any questions, I missed you guys last week, but I have to say Elizabeth Reese's Cobb salad has been getting a lot of traction on our site or just in general. Yeah,
1: no, it was a lot of people were, I mean, it was more her dressing. That was a big part of it, but yeah, the Cobb is like, that's my favorite salad, you know, of all time. My favorite Cobb place to go get a Cobb is the good day cafe.
0: Oh, I love the Good Day Cafe. They have a black bean burger there that's, that's pretty good, too. Now
1: in your neighborhood. It's... um. It basically, the thing I love about the Cobb is they have a big poached egg on there. They don't do hard-boiled egg. They do a poached egg. And then they have these big, fat, you know, bacon lardone, you know, and then lots of blue cheese, avocado, tomato, but they have a champagne vinaigrette over the whole thing, which is amazing. That
0: sounds good. 651-641-1071. A few, I guess it was about maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago, I did a whole segment about salad dressing. And I wrote um, four different dressings that you can just shake up in a mason jar. Yeah. Uh I think I'll repost that because uh I think what people liked about Elizabeth's recipes about Elizabeth's recipe was the dressing and people get real like in the bag about dressings. Do they? Yeah, I think they think it's harder than it is. Oh yeah. It's easy to buy dressing obviously. So yeah.
1: I I think my biggest fault is that I don't buy dressings because and the reason I started making my own is because I don't use the dressing enough and yeah. so i have a whole bottle and it goes to you know funk real fast because i'm not making salads every day or week or and i don't want to buy the stuff so i basically make my dressing every time i have a salad exactly and all i do is i, I put mayonnaise creme fraiche or sour cream and then a little bit of lemon juice office often i put in the uh greek yogurt the plain greek yogurt yep and I put all of that in a bowl and I throw in the, all the herbs and chives and salt and that's it. That's my dressing if I want something creamy.
0: I do that too, but I will grate a little um, garlic on sure. my microplane yes. and then maybe throw a little dried tarragon in there.
1: Yes, anything. Any any herbs that are around, mostly chives for me, but like any herbs, I just take a bunch and chop them and put them in. It is kind of herb
0: season. Um, we have Miranda on the line, so I'm going to go ahead and take Miranda. Hi, Miranda. How you doing? I'm doing
1: great. It's so great to hear you girls this morning. Thank you. I was you. wondering if you had a recommendation for the uh, Pride Festival tomorrow for what I should be eating when I get there. I don't know what's going to be there. <laughs> I will tell you that, like, I know that they have a bunch of food trucks and everything else. Um, I, You know, if you go to Lakes and Legends Brewery, they have a lot of great stuff hanging out, um, which is only a couple blocks from Pride. Um, okay. And they've got a lot of fun, great beers, and they're doing. You know, they've got some local food people there too. Um, okay. I think I don't know what's exactly on the festival grounds. There's plenty of like things on grounds, like concessionaires, but I don't know exactly what. Do you know Hanson? I don't. Okay. So well, I'm excited for some mini donuts. They gotta have mini donuts. For there. usually, sure. We'll see if we can come up with <laughs> yeah, something we'll see, when we yeah, come back. Listen in, and we'll see what we can we'll come be right with. back.